What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Ride Share Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news, presented by UberLiftDrivers.com. I'm your host, SJ, and uh, well, let's jump in today. Let's first uh, address one thing um, that just, just should be noted. Um, the California law, AB5, which... Um, says that uh, workers on gig platforms need to be employees based on an ABC test. Um, You can look up past episodes of the podcast, um, uh, specifically ones that have AB5 in the title to get more info on AB5, or you can search the website um, uberliftdrivers.com to get uh, more up-to-date or to get fluent in AB5, so I won't get into all those details. I just wanted to point out something that was going on here. Proposition 22 to overturn AB5, the AB5 law that became in effect January 1st of this year, 2020, now going to the ballot on November 3rd for Californians to vote on. Proposition 22, whether you're voting yes uh, on 22 or no on 22, um, It is now the biggest funded ballot measure in history. Um, So we're talking about ride share and gig economy, even though, even though the, um, the proposal may, or the AB five majorly affected many industries from writers on newspapers to anesthesiologists, there have been constant carve outs and we've gotten down to basically what it was intended for, which is just a gig worker bill. Um, I've, ta- I've spoken with quite a few people, and obviously one of the primary concerns that I hear, because I hear both sides and I understand both sides, but one of the primary concerns that I hear is that Proposition uh, um, 22, The one of the main takeaways that I get from actually from both sides um, is that you know, there's over a million gig workers in California. And the bottom line is that with proposition 22 or with AB five as a law, there will be union involvement. So obviously proposition 22 is trying to fight the unions off by fighting off AB five. Um, so I think that a big part of this vote will come down to how people feel about unions. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I know that, you know, that's uh, that's a big um, fueled thing on its own right there is how people do feel about unions because a lot of people have firsthand experience with it, their families, um, whatever the case may be, bottom line is people just do have their take on AB5 so uh, or on unions. And right or wrong, one thing for sure is that if you have a bad taste in your mouth about unions and you've firsthand seen bad, bad examples and bad practices of unions, which in many cases we have more than not in the United States, actually when unions are involved, um, corruption and things on that level. Um, but yeah, I guess one thing that is, uh, that I'm, that I'm seeing in the news articles, cause we're now about five, what are we five, five weeks out from, uh, voting. So not only about the president and who will take on that position, um, but proposition 22 in California is going to be a big deal because 
if AB5 stays, there's a lot of unknowns as to what happens with the companies. And there's a lot of people who are saying, you know, I hope AB5 stays, that Proposition 22 fails, um, but then Uber and Lyft might leave. And then those same people say, well, good. Um, that's, you know, again, that's not a negotiating answer. That's that's just throwing that's just throwing it into the fire, you know, wanting to see it burn for everybody. Um, when really there should be a solution. I know that that's a, a, a much easier thing said than done, but nonetheless, it's it's something that I, th- I think I think both sides are kind of are kind of a little bit wrong here, to be honest. Um, whether it be in their tactics, how they're going about it, and I say that I, I, I do say that equally. I, I think both sides are taking improper measures to go about this. Um, the way AB5 just passed so quickly uh, and it was expected for everybody to live up to that when they had made a very easy, even as the federal government pointed out, a very simple ABC test that almost no company could pass. So anybody who wants to be an independent contractor, that ABC test, if applied to any state, you really can't pass it. You can't be an independent contractor because you would fail on the test, especially on that B level. And again, go to the website, uh, uberliftdrivers.com, type in AB5 um, or ABC test even, uh, and see what that's all about if you don't know, because um, you should know, especially if you're a California driver or gig worker, you should know about this. And like I've said, I'm not saying which way to vote, but I'm saying you should get out there. And if you're going to vote on the president, and other uh, elected positions, make sure you vote on Prop 22. Um, it is also, you know, I just said it's the biggest funded in, of all time now. Um, Proposition 22 has raised more than $180 million from four big tech firms. Um, so it's Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and I, I'm trying to think of who the fourth one is off the top of my head. Uh, I've, I've always just been reading about that it's the three, and then there's some other ones obviously thrown in, but I'm, I'm seeing it as four in my notes, and I'm not sure why I wrote that. Um, but the Berkeley IGS poll, here's where we stand for whatever weight you give polls, but the Berkeley IGS poll that just came out said shows 39% in favor of Proposition 22, which is to overturn AB5 and make gig work um, available and allowed on an independent contractor level. Uh, 36% are opposed to Proposition 22 and will vote no on it um, based on the same poll. So we're looking at a 3% difference, 39 being in favor, 36 being opposed to Prop 22 uh, on the status of being employees or independent contractors. That leaves 25% of people um, undecided or uninformed. And when I say that, I don't mean it mean. I mean uninformed as... I mean, it's it's a little complicated to understand. First of all, I, I think I said this about four or five episodes back, but proposals are always worded very weird. And the first draft was worded a little strange, but you could understand it if you read it a couple times. The new proposal terminology, and as it'll be written on the on your ballot in California, is definitely, you definitely want to read it three or four times, even if you think you caught it. 
And then you really should do your research on it before you get to the polls. If you're voting at the polls or if you're voting by mail, make sure that before you before you fill in the circle um, or however you you check your ballot in California, make sure that you read up on this because you want to make sure that you're voting the right way on this. Because if you want to be an independent contractor and you don't want the law AB5, which just started this year, to be in existence, then you want to vote yes on Proposition 22. If you want to be an employee of Uber or Lyft and have a floor pay and really make nothing ever above that floor pay, um, you know, basically looking at like a minimum wage plus a little bit for expenses kind of thing, then you want to vote no on Proposition 22. Again, I do put the challenge down to, you know, at least maybe look at uh, what jobs are out there. I mean, minimum wage and healthcare is what you want. I Those kind of jobs seem to be everywhere right now. I mean, again, you're talking about minimum wage um, and healthcare. And if that's all you want, you know, why change an entire sector where people rely on this for side income, for a whole income, whatever, when if they're able to do it and make it, why why throw the grenade into their into how it works for them? You know, I mean, there's if there were no other jobs, that'd be a different thing. If this is the gig you had, I just there are tons of other jobs, especially right now coming back out of this um, COVID's nightmare. And you know, actually, are we coming out of it too? That's a whole nother bag of worms. Um, as we approach winter and as we approach some of the outbreaks on colleges and some of the outbreaks we've just seen from random things and how quick it's unfolding, um, second waves and things of that nature. But uh, regardless, um, be familiar with Proposal 22, all you California drivers and other state drivers. Watch what happens with Proposal 22 and what happens soon after. If it's a no vote uh, in the November election, um, on 22 and AB5 stays in effect, what will the outcome look like in California? And I think that every state is watching that because <clears throat> some states are making little moves, but you don't want to make your big play until you see how this plays out in California because if Uber and Lyft do just pack up and leave, I know there are some alternative um, companies willing to step it up and get in gear and do this and that, but can they? I mean, can they immediately take over all the people that count on getting to work and things of that nature from Uber and Lyft? Or has this become such a um, a niche that it's absolutely needed? I mean, I have seen a lot of things about, you know, people saying, well, you know, that'd be a win for the taxis. I, I really don't put the two levels together because I don't think the taxi industry is... It's just not with our times. Um, you know, It's I feel bad for it. And, and when I've talked to people about this in the past, I, I do feel horrible for the people in New York who bought medallions or things of that nature. But people who have just entered the ta taxi game and stuff like that and are just paying like a weekly rate on a car of three $600 that they can't afford and all this. And it actually works out to sometimes worse than what Uber pays. And the just bad stereotype and you know, the word taxi brings out in people. It's just people kind of got past taxis even before Uber existed, which is why Uber came to fruition because there was an empty sector there from what taxis used to have and they just couldn't get it back. So 
I do put a pause there and say, you know, do think about the outcome. I mean, if there's no Uber or Lyft and they were to pack up and leave the state, what happens? Um, if they say, well, we're not going to obey by this law and we're just going to leave. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people saying, well, there's a lot of solutions to that. But I have yet to see a solution where I say, yes, that would work. Absolutely. No doubts. That would work. Every solution I've seen, I'm like, hmm. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but nothing is like hitting me home and saying, well, this would absolutely work. So we'll stick a pin in that. Uh, hopefully, you know, maybe we'll get some updated news, but we might not talk about this again until after the election. I've talked about AB5 quite a few times. Go back in the previous episodes and listen and uh, and get involved with AB5, especially if you're in Washington State or some of the East Coast states or even where I'm in Colorado, states that are watching real closely what's going on with this in California. Because even if we don't live there, right now, how this plays out is going to speak volumes for uh, moving forward for a lot of states. So, again, we'll see. I saw last week that um, the Uber grocery space venture, Corner Shop, who is you know, trying to enter the uh, grocery delivery game like Instacart and like little... Um, little sister that we are all rooting for, yeah, uh, Dumpling, um, who also, Dumpling seems to be entering the rideshare game, um, but, you know, Instacart Dumpling and now Uber Corner Shop is teaming up with Winn-Dixie and others across the south, southern states, and this is done with no track record. So Uber Corner Shop has been, was bought from a company in Peru, and has had really no live testing here in the States. They apps if they, the little bit they do have has no track record. So, I mean, what you would be doing is going to Uber's rideshare track record. And I'm kind of shocked that like, I mean, that when Dixie and those see Uber as the future of, of the grocery space delivery with all the, I guess Instacart does it too, but with all the taking from driver's earnings and this and that and the percentages and um, being a dynamic feature and things like that, like I'm just surprised that um, we don't see more like Kroger type places because here in Colorado, we don't have a Kroger, but I'm from Michigan. They have Kroger's. Um, but we have out here, we have King Supers, who is a part of Kroger. So... They're, King Supers is owned by, or King Supers is owned by Kroger. Why don't we see more Kroger delivery? I'm, I'm just, I'm surprised we don't see, especially these bigger ones. I mean, maybe you know if you have like a, a small uh, or smallish. Let's, I, I don't even know. Let's say Ralph's. Isn't Ralph's only in California? I, I'm not sure of this, but I'm just going to pretend like it is for a minute. But like Ralph's grocery store, maybe they're not on that level where they could fully invest into their own deliveries. But I would think a company like Kroger would really want to explore this space without giving it away to Uber. And why not make your customers happier by giving them better service for a lesser fee? And and also, you would avoid that AB5 pitfall because you'd be able to employ people through Kroger to do this program for you. And I, I don't know. It seems like... It seems like the like a Win Dixie is an example of like a Kroger to me. That's a huge, huge um, 
company that runs grocery stores, right? So why aren't they running their own delivery? I, I, I don't know. As somebody who just, you know, <laughs> understands gig work and stuff, I just don't see why this isn't an in-house job. I would think the, especially these bigger companies, these bigger grocery stores, um, are in a great position to do something like this. So I don't know. Oh, let's see. What else did we see? Uh, Lyft, I saw this uh, headline. Lyft sketches future for city streets with fewer cars. Lyft? Really? <laughs> the only reason I bring this up, guys, is because it, it's odd. You know, I look, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly weeding through gig worker news. I'm constantly weeding through Uber news. And, I'm con and I, and I kind of end it with Lyft news because usually the Lyft news comes up when I do my Uber searching. And it'll just be Uber and Lyft or... Because um, there's very few things unless sometimes like in the medical space or giving rides to doctors and free rides to hospitals or some kind of testing, really Lyft doesn't show up on their own radar. They show up on the rideshare radar, which always encompasses Big Brother Uber. So now Lyft is talking about micro-mobility space and its future in cities, but really... If, if this is headline news, we'll hear it from Uber first. Lyft is not a leader in anything anymore. And there was a time when their business model differed from Uber's. And that was a great time because that was the time I drove for Lyft and loved it. Um, the passengers were better. The pay was better. For years, I did this here in Colorado. I mean, I, I had the ability to drive both platforms. And there were times when I would do the turn both on. But that became annoying or you'd forget to shut one off when you're like deep into driving for the night or something and you'd get a ride and you'd already have a ride. So you'd have to turn the app off, have accepted that ride then, you know, or declined it and it affected your acceptance rating or this or that. Um, but I mainly got into a groove always where I just kind of, you know, found the, the app that was working for me that night and that's the app I'd leave on. It would keep me busy. But for years, I was just a Lyft guy. I mean, I, in the beginning, I did my Uber rides. I did my Lyft rides to get my bonus um, when you first come on the platforms. But with Lyft, I almost immediately gravitated to that because there was more money in it here. At least, in, it, again, it's a market-to-market -market thing. But I know that we all remember two and a half to three years back really raging Lyft when you couldn't really rage Uber. Um, at least here in my market, you know, they were, Uber was already starting their trend of like taking away money. Lyft hadn't done that yet. And so it was, uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I just, whenever I see these kind of Lyft sketches future for city streets with fewer cars, I always think like, well, where does Lyft even get off? They don't, you know, Lyft gave up a long time ago and just said, we're just going to follow everything Uber does good or bad. And we're just going to be the smaller version of Uber. That's only, in the United States and a couple places in Canada. They gave up their worldwide thoughts. They gave up their own business plan. And they just literally follow the moves of Uber now. They're not a leader in anything. So, I mean, they shouldn't be sketching the future for city streets, in my opinion. I mean, this is Uber sketches future for city streets with fewer cars is kind of a stretch for a real article. But Lyft, I mean, when I see Lyft, I, I had to read the article because... I, I immediately was like, no, they're not. They don't do anything for the micro-mobility space, and that's just untrue completely. So, 
Um, regardless, uh, that's all I really wanted to point out with that. Was I used to see articles like this all the time, and you know, we knew Lyft was in a, you know, their level five and stuff for autonomous, and but we know that that's all a joke now, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. But <laughs> uh, anyway, um, speaking of gig work. A new report from Upwork, um, which is a platform that connects freelancers to jobs, found 24% more people decided to enter the gig economy sector this summer than in past normal years. Okay? So the same study found that the number of full-time freelancers grew by 2 million in the last year, okay, 2 million gig workers new to the gig work sector this year in the pandemic, um, which this brings the total of full-time freelance gig workers, okay, full-time, full-time freelancers slash gig workers in the U.S. to 59 million. I mean, that's a, that's a, wow, that's a high number. 59 million U.S. freelancers and gig workers. Up 2 million from last year. So we were 57 million last year. I didn't even, I mean, these numbers sound astounding to me. But 59 million in the U.S., meaning that, meaning that 36% of the U.S. workforce is now made up of freelancers and gig workers. 36%. I mean, that's a huge percent and i know there's quite a few things in freelancers gig workers but honestly that's really high <laughs> um, <laughs> i had no idea that's eye-opening to me uh you know i follow this kind of stuff and every once in a while i get thrown for a curve with an article like this where i'm just literally like wow i, mean, I can't believe this Okay. A San Francisco woman who dislocated her hip and broke mo multiple bones is suing Uber for failing to equip jump scooters uh, with turn signals. Okay. So Aaron Norman um, is accusing Uber of failing to provide, quote, unquote, any device or mechanism to safely signal a turn, quote, unquote, there. So uh, this despite designing uber jump for use on city streets where signaling is required that's a great point there uber designed jump scooters for use on city streets and on city streets signaling is required so why is there no signal <laughs> and why didn't i come up with this lawsuit first i mean I've dislocated my shoulder and had surgery on it. I've broke bones. I've done things of this nature, and I had to do it snowboarding. Why couldn't I have done this on an Uber jump and sued him? Where was I? Way to drop the ball, Steve. Jeez. Um, regardless, so uh, uh, the lawsuit was filed last Thursday. So the reason I'm reading this now is because it was it just happened. It was just filed. The accident happened in 2019, and if you all remember, Uber owned Uber Jump until May of 2020 of this year. Um, 
in May of 2020, Uber sold Jump to Neutron Holdings. Now, Neutron Holdings is um, operates as the business Lime. So Lime Scooters, which we're all familiar with in the sector space. All right. Uber says full-time drivers only handle uh, 25% of California rides. Why does this matter? Well, this will be another big problem with AB5 if Prop 22 if Prop 22 fails in November and AB5 is considered a law after the fa- after the November election and isn't brought down by Proposition 22, this is going to cause a big problem. Example in Los Angeles, 11% of Uber platform drivers work 40 hours or more a week. So one out of 10 drivers that you have works the platform full-time. The other nine do not. It's a gig, which is what the gig economy was created for. Um, So of the 11%, the 11% of drivers who do work 40 hours or to 40 hours plus a week full-time completed 25% of all in-market trips in Los Angeles. Now, let's contrast that to Sacramento because different numbers there um, equal is, equally is startling but kind of odd too. So in, <laughs> in Sacramento, only 3% of drivers are full-time, 40 hours plus a week. 3%. It was 11 in Los Angeles, but 3% in Sacramento – and of that three or that three percent that's full time in Sacramento, do approximately eleven percent of the Sacramento in market trips. Um, so again, you know, I know it's twenty five percent that we were talking about in the other market, but it's like okay, so uh, you know, if you take ten trips in Sacramento, one of those trips was done by a full time driver. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. Uh, I just think that, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing new stats that should have been brought out when AB five was becoming a law. These are things that, that do matter and should have mattered in the passing of that to become law. Um, I know at the time it was just the ABC test would be applied to independent contractors. And that's why we've had to do so many carve outs in California because, Nobody passed the ABC test. Nobody was able to, who had been independent contractor titles for forever, you know? Um, I was shocked to see one of the first carve-outs that was done was anesthesiologists. So obviously, anesthesiologists work independently so that they can go to multiple hospitals. Um, AB5 was going to require that they could only do a certain number of procedures a year per hospital. Um it was going to require writers for uh, publications like the Los Angeles Times or San Francisco Chronicle that they can only do 25 articles per year per uh, per publication. So if you wrote full time for uh, or more than you know maybe or you took three weeks off and then you came back and wrote ten tech articles doesn't matter. But if you did it for the L.A. Times. You'd only be able to do 25 articles in a week. So they had to have a carve-out. The anesthesiologists had to have a carve-out because they couldn't pass the AB5 test to remain independent contractors. However, 
they also couldn't afford to be on these type of work terms. So they got their carve-outs, and it just seems like, again, when I'm speaking of these numbers that we're now finding from studies, these studies should have been done before that was a true past law, in my opinion. I mean, it's a big deal, and uh, it was definitely a quickly passed law. I remember at, nearing the end of the year when we had been talking about it since summer, but I remember how quickly things happened and how they were just kind of happening off the board real quick. Uh, but yeah, that's that. Um, we will see what happens in the old, wonderful state of California. What up, California? Now, we knew that this was coming, but um, let's roll through it. So you'll see the articles out this week saying that Uber passenger masks are now required. Look closely at those details or else go to the website, uberliftdrivers.com. And look in our top articles or the posted today ones even. And you'll see Uber Passenger Masks article in there that's a good one, I think, to read. Um, basically, about four, four weeks ago, we talked about this on the podcast. And I said that U Uber Passengers are going to be required to wear masks. Now, if you looked at the details, it wasn't going to happen until the end of the month. So that was four weeks ago. And I said, PR stunt. PR stunt that they're going to use for one to three weeks, then it'll back off for a week, and then it'll become just. And that's exactly what happened. You know, exactly what I said it would happen, happened. Um, we were told it was probably going to be the end of the month, but you had to look at the fine print for that. And then you found out all these papers are publishing for a couple weeks this, so they're getting huge PR about, you know, protecting their drivers and their passengers and it's safer. But they didn't put this into effect until... Um, just end of last week, beginning of this week. So now it's started, but here we are at another point I made a couple of different times in the past podcast, which is that this isn't even true. Uber passenger masks required? That's false. That's false printing, if that's all you read and take away from the article, because here's actually the truth of it. Uber is not requiring passengers to wear masks. If a driver cancels a ride on a passenger and says the passenger does not have a mask, cancels that ride. Now that passenger is required for all of their rides to wear a mask. So why? Why, why do we drivers have to catch a passenger first? Why is not every passenger right now during the pandemic required like we drivers are, required to put on a mask, follow the, the um, flow screens to get to log on and go online. Okay? Makes sense. But the passengers have been expecting this. Why is Uber saying that the passenger masks aren't required until a, a driver catches you not able to put on a mask? So if the driver says, hey, you're not wearing a mask, you can't get in the car, and you said, and you said oops, I forgot, and you put it on, you're cool. Then the driver can let you in. But if he says that and you say, well, I don't wear masks and wearing masks is stupid and that's, and that's garbage and you don't need to do it and blah, 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 and gives the driver a hard time and the driver has to go through the cancel process, then Uber will impose, impose on, that dry, or on that passenger that they have to wear a mask. It really, I, I understand what it is. What it is is that Uber's hoping that no mask passengers 
hook up with no mask drivers and the two just don't give a crap and that they just go about their ride and the passenger gets there and that eventually will come out of the pandemic and most people who were non-mask wearers or at least a good percentage of them never had to go through getting caught by a driver and the mask procedure. So a couple of one thing that I ask for sure is that the passenger not wearing a mask and I would imagine this is the case even with the bad ways Uber treats people, drivers, passengers, whoever, just people. But I would imagine this is the case that if you are a passenger who the driver says no mask, you can't ride, you get caught and you have to use a mask there forward, you should have no way of ranking that ride. You know, like let's even say that the driver accidentally hits start and then hit stop because they noticed your no mask, went through the process, had to cancel the ride. Maybe for that 24-hour period, you still have the option to rate. You should not. And that is something that, again, Uber could have avoided by just saying all passengers have to not wear masks. They took the other route to hope that 30 to 40% of people who, aren't, who don't wear masks and use the rideshare company would still get through their rides through the pandemic here and wouldn't catch any flack and that's cool and whatever. That They took that route. Let's just take our chances. When they could have just protected riders and, pass, and, and drivers alike, by saying all drivers, all riders always need to produce proof of wearing a mask before driving or requesting a ride from an Uber. That's how simple it should have been. That's how much they should have had the backs of people, not just drivers here, guys, people. Because they don't even have the passengers back by, by trying to let the others escape by loophole. Because if the non-mask wearer gets in and the driver's like, oh, cool, I'm glad you're a non-mask wearer. I'm going to take mine down. Do you mind? And the other person in the back says, no, not at all. It's all a hoax. And the driver says, yeah, 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 all a hoax. Well, you guys are now breathing all over the car and it's airborne in there. And the next rider getting in now, if they're wearing a mask, they're protecting you. But whatever went down in the car isn't protecting them. So whether you agree with it or not, it should have just been very forward by Uber. This is this, and we're going to require that everybody take a picture. But, of course, Uber took the weak way, and, uh, I, I mean, there shouldn't be that many more times before we see Derek Hay go for good, right? I mean, this guy is... I'm, I, I hate saying this, but this guy is equal to, or as bad as, if I have to put this into some kind of math, as Travis... Never thought I would say that. How the, how would it be possible to change CEOs from Travis K to, to Derek K and not see an improvement? If I remember right, Derek was with Expedia and had other, you know, other big ventures under his belt but and was well-known. So I thought they were bringing in somebody that at least, you know, the guy knew some things. And I mean, this guy's doing as bad or worse, and that's... It just almost seems impossible. <sighs> okay, so the ruling came down for London. Uber is allowed to keep operating in London. Wow. To be honest, guys, I mean, like, I'm not shocked, but I actually wasn't sure about this. This one was up in the air. This was their last appeal, and I wasn't sure they were going to win it. Um, in fact, there was a big part of me thinking that they weren't. 
But, um, you know, I guess it proves what the power of big corporate money can do here. So uh, one of the main issues was drivers uploading photos of people who would be driving for them. So there wasn't an authorized by Uber stamp, really. You know, like maybe they did the background check on a person and the person passed and then the person let a friend upload their picture to their background check. And it sounds like an odd thing, but a lot of rides were done. Um, they caught, I know it's not a ton, but they caught like, I think there was like 42 people involved in this. 20 have been prosecuted. Um, but they had done like 14,000 rides in one calendar year amongst these people before they were caught. Regardless, I know this is one of the big issues. There was a bunch of other ones that you can go look up with this whole London thing, but um, the deputy chief magistrate, Tan Ikram, uh, said he believed Uber had been uh, working to improve its standards. Really? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've read all of it, actually, guys, and I've actually read, <laughs> actually read why he believes this. But Uber has been working to... You really... He, you believe that Uber has been working to improve its standards in London. Okay. I, I don't. <laughs> and, you know, what I see on, like, uh, social media and people I know across the, uh, across the pond, as they say, uh, or that I communicate with, definitely don't see it that way. But, um, so this, on, on the London side, guys, for those of you who aren't that familiar with it, um, it's really... It really was a London black cab um, taxi that that started this. You would almost think it's just them trying to take it down. And over there, uh, remember the black cabs are like a big, big deal. Like you have to be trained for many years to be a black cab driver um, before you can go do it. Many years. I mean, it's it's. I, I want to look it up right now, but I'm not gonna. But I, I will. I'll look it up later and post it. But I can't remember. It's a big. It's a big to-do to become a black cab driver. Um, and it's a big to-do for them to let you. I mean, it's kind of a big thing over there. So anyway, um, the Licensed Taxi Drivers Association affiliation with the black, the black cab service uh, that has such a good standing over in London, in a statement said, this is a disaster for London, this ruling. And it also, quote-unquote, created a false impression that it had changed for the better. And to be honest, that's kind of what I thought that Deputy Chief Magistrate Tan Ikram was going to say about this. I thought that was kind of going to be in his closing notes, not the response from the Taxi Drivers Association. But I guess, you know... It's it's still pressing. It was an 18-month thing, and now it's another 18 months that they're kind of on watch, I guess. We'll see. Who knows? Who knows? All we know is that big money seems to dominate change. We've known this. For me, i, I got to point this out, I guess. For me, I started learning what big money does and really its impact on just everything political, every, everything back in the day when I guess it'd be like the late eighties, early nineties, when I really was understanding this was big tobacco. 
Um, and I know there's other sectors that have big tobacco money these days, so they're kind of out there. But big tobacco was the one back in the day. I mean, that was – if big tobacco was in was on your side for something, you were good. If they weren't, you were, you were probably screwed unless you had an honest win or something. But if you had big tobacco with you, you were going to win whatever your issue was. And that's just kind of – it just showed me back even then that – I don't know what you know what it really looked like in the pol- in the political in the workspace landscape of everything like how really people's voices are very muted um and you can you can protest and do all these things but really it, it never really seemed to matter it just protests and things of that nature seemed to cost the companies a little bit more it never stopped them from doing what they wanted to do um, and I know we're trying a lot more protests these days, but it's also during a pandemic. It's very hard to tell what the what the uh, what's coming out of all this. Um, but I will say this: I do believe both good and bad are coming out of everything going on in this country. Um, so that's just where I stand. So we'll we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I just wanted to put a personal note on there and let you guys know, like when I realized how corrupt everything was, but so, okay, this is, this is, uh, the last thing I want to talk about this evening, um, or this week is Uber autonomous. I've been saying this forever. So I'm really patting myself on the back right now, just so you know, but, uh, there's lots of articles out this week, basically all having the same headline, $2.5 billion, Uber autonomous. $2.5 billion Uber autonomous. And that's what's been spent over time. And now they've moved to Yandex, the Russian company, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. And, you know, they're not with Uber anymore. They're separated. And and I've been saying that needed to happen. But I've been saying what a waste of, you know, I I think I referred to it by being in last place. in, In the autonomous space, being in last place meant nothing. So why keep wasting the money when you're a rideshare company? Because now we see the number, $2.5 billion, and, and here's the bottom line, wasted. Go look up any of the articles. Um, the Post, uh, um, information or informant, or the, the information, uh, some UK publications, um, both United States as well. Worldwide right now, this week, $2.5 billion not spent, wasted in the autonomous space by Uber. Go find an article. You can find them up on uberliftdrivers.com. We got a couple up there today. Um, so go take a look at those too because um, go see about the wasted autonomous money because I've been talking about this for a long time. And even last week, I think we, we touched on it again because investors are pushing for the self-driving division, the autonomous division, to be reinstated, which is just crazy. I mean, I, pre-IPO... They really didn't tell these people the details or show them the line-by-line item things that they can now see. And they used to just be able to kind of, while getting those investments locked down before being public, um, they were able to just kind of like, you know, be salesmen about it. Like, oh, our autonomous division, it's going to be fully autonomous by 2020. 2025, 2030, whatever works for you in your head, blah, blah, you know, make the sale kind of thing, close it. 
And so they were able to do that. But now you can look up the, the line information and see. I mean, th- these investors are, I mean, they're not dumb. I mean, they invest their money and they uh, maybe a lot of them do it, um, you know, based on people investing it for them. I don't know. It seems like a lot of very wealthy people are very firsthand involved in their own investments. So a lot of them follow the news type thing. And I'm surprised that they, after seeing that Uber's in last place in Autonomous with really no technology even that they're working on that would throw them back up into the front runners. Like they're so far behind. This is like a horse race and they're like a whole two laps behind on the final lap. I mean, really, it's it's. There's not even little items for them to be scrap fighting for anymore. Um, so as I've been saying forever, you know, it's it's. I think that the Uber Yandex, uh, Russian company Yandex, uh, that we talked about a few weeks back, that happened that merger, where now Yandex Uber Autonomous merged with Yandex. They stayed the name Yandex, but they'll be incorporating Uber, and Yandex owns seventy nine percent, and Uber will own twenty one percent. It shows how much that they were able to match for what they thought Uber, for even what they thought Uber was worth, Uber Autonomous. Um, so, and then these articles about $2.5 billion, it, we have to keep this away. They, they've, they've distanced themselves, and I think that's good. Don't bring it back because it was a way to dilute driver pay. Any projects that Uber does is a way to dilute driver pay. And as they as they get rid of these and not just put them off into their own space with the Uber trademark under the company umbrella, but move them to a different company and merge it with them outside of the Uber umbrella, it will become very clear where corners can be pinched to pay drivers more. Now, obviously, investors want to get paid too, but, I mean, this is how you get your costs down. This is how you start getting your house in order is how I think of it. So anyway, um, tons of articles out there, but hit up uberliftdrivers.com. Check it out. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all I got for this week, guys. Um, It's 45 minutes. I think that's all right. Keep it under 50 minutes here. Um, Next week is episode number 25. Can't believe we've been doing this for 25 weeks now. And still growing, so thank you guys so much. You know, it's been awesome to do this. Uh, Lots of fun, very informative, met a lot of new people, and I already knew a bunch. Um, The website uberliftdrivers.com has been up up for three uh, and a half years, or it'll be four years in February, so we're even passing that three and a half mark. Um, Rideshare Rodeo has been going since the pandemic, pretty much. Um, It was planned to go before... Uh, and it was getting near ready, and, and the pandemic hit, and I was like, oh, no. And then we ended up going forward anyway, and now here I am. And, uh, yeah, seems like everybody's enjoying it and whatnot, and we're glad. So next week, uh, just going to be running through some news as well again. Uh, we had a couple of uh, extendo weeks that went over the hour marker by a good stone's throw, so I'm sorry about that. Um, I was getting pretty good at keeping it up right around that hour. So we're going to get it back down to averaged out. And, uh, yeah, for now, just, uh, be good to everybody. Be good to yourself. Go do something good for somebody. Um, be careful if you're out there working, uh, things are still crazy with COVID and, uh, I'm not saying don't, but, um, just be careful. You know, I'm still trying to get my oxygen levels back to normal. Um, I talked about this a little bit last week, but, uh, I'm fighting some asthma right now with all the allergies and, and fires. Now the um, 
the PM levels and the ozone and the fires have kind of gone down a little bit, but we've had a, a bad, bad summer. So just kind of waiting for some colder weather to drop all that stuff back down anyway. But yeah, it was a very difficult summer for me to breathe and it, it really hit a peak last week. So, um, so I'm still working on that. Uh, but, uh, it's getting stronger. I think it's just taking longer than I was hoping. So, um, that's it. I think that's it. You guys have a great rest of your week. Uh, you know, um, check in, email us, uberliftdrivers at gmail.com. Hit the website, uberliftdrivers.com. Um, you can hit ridesharerodeo.com these days. The two will be integrated right now. Ridesharerodeo.com will take you right to the podcast page. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you about next week. All right, we'll see you back here uh, in one week. And, uh, oh, yeah, tonight is the first uh, presidential debate, too. huh? I should just earmark that right now on this podcast, that this is the first Trump-Biden debate, which will be interesting, I think, to say the least. All right, guys, um, thanks for joining me here, and uh, I'll see you back here next week. Peace!